Welcome to the Meditation Daily Podcast. My name is William Renner. If you're new to the show, we are here to bring you mindfulness and meditation in daily life and to use that wisdom to envision a brighter future. So if you're interested in uplifting content around meditation and mindfulness, please go ahead and subscribe to the channel because we have new content every single Thursday. On today's episode, I spoke with Ryan McKinney, a life leadership and performance coach. We're living in that story. And all we've really got is right now. We spoke about energetics and the difference between anabolic and catabolic energy. And then level four is the level of compassion, it's the level of service. As well as the importance of having gratitude and building a purpose-driven career. If God put it in your head and in your heart, the world needs it, and it's up to you to bring that out. Ryan, thank you for being on the show. Thanks for having me. This is great. Cool. So um, what got you interested in being a, a life coach and a performance coach? Yeah, it's um, I never thought that I would end up here. Let me just say that. And I don't know how many people, you know, end up doing what they, you know, intended to do. But some of us kind of find our path along. And um, it, it's quite by accident, but also serendipitous, I think. So I was working in corporate uh, and uh, spent about 20 years working in corporate and was doing a great job, enjoying myself, having a lot of success. And um, a few years back, I hit a wall and was not getting success anymore. I wasn't getting promoted and uh, I was happy to kind of let other people tote the blame a little bit. And um, I decided to figure out if I could do some sort of improvement for myself. And I hired a coach. And over the course of working with her for a year, great coach, by the way, um, working with her over the course of a year, I figured out how to get out of my own way. And a year later, uh, I had been promoted again and given a department and was able to build it out and do a lot of amazing things. And that's when I realized that it wasn't really making me happy. Uh, I wanted to achieve and accomplish and do a lot of things, a lot of energy, uh, but uh, it wasn't really making me happy. And she asked me what I wanted to do next. And I said, I think I want to do for other people what you just did for me over the course of this last year. Cool. And uh, she said, I think you'd make a great coach. And I went to, to a coaching school, one of the best in the world. And um, uh, learned some of the, the amazing things that you can do as a coach and have been doing that for the last several years. So uh, that, that's kind of my story about how I got into coaching. Hmm. What, what were some of the first things that you learned um, when you started that process? Or some like interesting little stories? The process of becoming stories. a coach? Yeah, the process of becoming a coach. What were, what were some uh, of those big lessons? The, the big aha moments for me were that uh, they have these little sayings that they do. And one of them was, um, it still sticks with me. In fact, I, I talked with somebody today in, uh, in a session and, and used this very phrase. But it's, um, we don't see the world as it is. We see the world uh, as we are. So mm -hmm. in other words, when we're blaming or we're seeing the great in something or we're able to perceive something that's in our world around us, either in a person's actions, uh, in a situation that's out there, we're recognizing something that's already within us. 
And that, uh, quite honestly, blew me away a little bit. It took me uh, a little bit to get my mind wrapped around. But ultimately, being able to see that, that is why some people aspire to be different things. They see greatness in others in certain ways. And as a result, that greatness actually already lives within you. It's about awakening that greatness. So that was one. And that aha moment number two was... um, that everything that you're going to need to be the best you that you can be, you already have it. Uh, And I also thought to myself, well, that's not a great thing to tell coaches who are trying to learn how to, you know, make a business out of becoming a coach because like if all my clients already have what they need, what am I here for? Right. And that was aha number three, which was, well, that's what you do is you coach that greatness out of those people. You help to pull what's already in there out. It's not about teaching somebody to do Ryan McKinney's top 10 list of amazing things every day. It's about looking deep within someone and seeing what they can't see and showing them what they don't see themselves. And then sometimes telling them what other people aren't willing to tell them. Right. Hmm. That uh, the first thing that you you mentioned that that phrase reminds me of with the meditation that I do. Their they, their focus on is on trying to see life as it is. Um, it's not how you want it to be. You know, sometimes we we see the world through this uh, kind of distorted lens. We all do, but um, to try to more and more face reality, the good or the bad, whatever it is, because that's the only way that you can really move forward in life. Um, so how, how long have you been doing this coaching again? Did you say? It's about four years now, a little over, I think it's almost four years at this point in time. Yeah. Four years. Okay. And where do you see, where do you see it going? Do you see, um, do you see your own, do you have insight into how you imagine your own practice evolving over the next, let's say 10 years or? I do, you know, it's, it's kind of, um, it's interesting because coaches have coaches and I, you know, working with my coach, uh, we, we talk a lot about that and where is it that I want to, uh, that I want to be with my business and how I impact the world. And that's, that's really the amazing part about this. And one of the reasons that I was able to, to leave corporate and, and happily do so was the fact that I really enjoy helping other people make the impact they're trying to do. So doing that, it starts off with this evolution, number one, of doing one-on-one coaching, working directly with people. And I love that. To see the light bulb come on, on somebody's over somebody's head and uh, really connect with who they are. Uh, and for some people, it's the first time ever that they have been able to sit down and write out what their, their purpose is. And mm-hmm. you'd be surprised at how many people get really tangled up with that one question. What are you here for? Why are you here? Um, And uh, to see that happen and kind of come through. And then the next evolution is kind of this one to many. And that's where I've started to work in workshops and do speaking engagements and and that part of it. I also do uh, retreats. And there are some amazing uh, breakthroughs that people happen uh, that that happen for people when we do retreats. Uh, something about getting away from the world you're in, separating yourself from the day to day, the monotony of what's going on, 
and being able to just separate, disconnect, and then reconnect with who you are. Mm -hmm. uh, the magic that happens when you're able to do that, uh, you can walk away with such clarity and focus and the energy that you have raises, the level of energy that you have raises, which um, is I, the school I went to, diverge a little bit here, but the school mm -hmm. that I went to for coaching is IPEC. It's the Institute for Professional Excellence in Coaching. Um, it was founded by Bruce D. Schneider, and you can find lots of good information on the, the coaching school and on Bruce for that matter. Um, but one of the things that they teach us in this coaching school is about our energy. And that energy that you connect with, not being bad or good, but the same way you mentioned in your, in your meditation, how you kind of separate and observe. If we separate ourselves and look at the type of energy, and you can equate that word energy with attitude if you want, but that energy that you've got, not bad or good, but just that it is, it serves a different purpose. And there are a couple different types of energy that you can find yourself in. Uh, one is catabolic, which is a tearing down, destructive sort of energy. And the other one is anabolic. And that anabolic is growing and healing and restorative type of energy. Hmm. And people say, well, why in the world would I ever want to have catabolic energy? Um, and it's part of who we are. It's part of the human experience because it's there for survival. And it kind of comes back to what I was seeing when I was working in the corporate world. 98% of people that I was observing in my world at that point in time were walking around in this catabolic energy. Essentially, it's like fight or flight survival mm -hmm. type of energy. And when you're steeped in that and you're working in that day after day and you don't take the time to separate yourself from it and get clear on and remind yourself of who you are, get clear on where it is you're going, then you start to exhibit that type of energy. And it feels destructive. It feels tearing down. It feels all of those things. And that type of energy was designed to keep you from getting eaten by saber-toothed tigers and grizzly bears and things like that, right? It's a, it's a, it produces catabolic hormones like cortisol and adrenaline. And they're there to help you fight through a, a deadly situation or to hide and be safe and survive. Well, if everybody's walking around in survival mode, that's where this type of coaching comes in. That's where the, you know, the retreats, that's where the workshops, that's where the one-on-one -on -one coaching comes back to that. And it's to help people separate from what they're experiencing on a day-to-day -day basis, observe what type of energy they currently have and then teaching them to help shift and move that energy to a more anabolic, restorative, or healing type of energy. So I see myself doing lots with uh, that, uh, but from the business standpoint, it's about those three things. Working with one-on-one uh, -on -one coaching, it's about doing workshops and retreats, and it's about doing speaking. With the, with the coaching, I fell in love with this type of work, uh, the energy work, and I see myself sticking with that, so... Hmm. When you mentioned this, uh, it's really neat, those, those concepts of uh, anabolic and catabolic. What was the other one? Anabolic and... Adabol anabolic and catabolic, yes. Anabolic and catabolic. The catabolic reminds me of being like an artist and living in this 
continual need to reorganize and re like kind of destroy old artistic processes in in order to create new ones but the the new ones you know the destruction aspect is certainly necessary but if you're just constantly tearing like there needs to be peace and to build up back you know whatever you've torn down that um the other the other thought that was coming to mind when you were speaking was the workshops um I come from a background of going to a lot of music festivals and a lot of the, I think a lot of the appeal of those things is that it's kind of like a retreat. It's like going the, the need to get away from the cultural norms in order to kind of have a safe space where you can reinvent yourself and discover aspects of yourself that you didn't know were there. Um, that's interesting. Can you tell me more about your retreat process? Do you have um, a typical process for your retreats or is that something that you're still building? Um, you know, I've done several of them now. And the first one, first of all, the first one was very scary for me. Like I didn't know, like I had a good idea. I'd been on a retreat before. Um, I knew the types of things that I wanted to people to experience. And it was my first time kind of when you're creating a retreat or you're doing something like that, you can't make somebody feel something. You can't push somebody to do something. That's manipulation. And nobody Mm -hmm. likes, doesn't feel good. It's coerced. That's, that's not what you want. Ultimately, what you want to do is create the environment and invite someone to come along this journey. And when that happens, you unlock self-discovery. So that's one of the most important things for me with building out retreats or workshop is that the, it's not a lecture. Um, I don't know, you know, ever been in a class and somebody's just talking for 30 minutes. You're like, you're oh my learning. gosh, when is this going to be over? And yeah, you're not learning. But when you are having a different type of language, it's this activation language. It's this language where someone's asking you questions and giving you the space and the time to step back and look. So I wanted to be able to create that but I also wanted to not just have the environment and invite the, the people on the retreats into that, let them self-discover, but I wanted to create a path that would lead them to a productive self-discovery. At the end of this, uh, they would not only tackle the demons that are in their life and you know this imposter that they've been carrying around forever and the gremlins that are on their shoulder, uh, they overcome those things Uh, with guidance and help, but they also connect with who they were meant to be. And there's, you know, discovering that purpose aspect, getting super clear on what that means to them, creating a vision and looking out three, five, 10 years down the road and like knowing what, you know, color the house that they want to live in looks like. I mean, getting that descriptive and that clear and then stepping back and saying, okay, we're going to connect that ambiguous, nebulous kind of vision that you had out there to action plans. And we're cool. going to start figuring out what needs to happen to get you there. So we get, you know, when we do a retreat, it's about overcoming demons. It's about connecting with purpose. It's about, you know, discovering that vision. And then it's about creating a real plan that moves people towards that. And one of the things that's amazing in this is when a participant goes to 
one of my retreats, they walk away with an action that they'll do that day that is connected to their deep purpose. And they've got something that they can do each day that's connected Mm -hmm. with it. And just knowing that they're doing that creates that level of anabolic energy right away. And they're starting to get that restorative, healing, growing type of energy every day. And they start to move, you know, methodically just right towards their goals. And it's not uncommon to have people with a one-year goal call me three months later and say, I'm already done. Very cool. Like I accomplished it. So which is it's 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 awesome. It's great. And I've had people, just so you know, where you know, not to take down anyone's goal for any reason. There are some, you know, it wouldn't be fair for me to say, oh, it's just the goal of losing five pounds. For somebody, that might be the toughest goal ever. Uh, and that's okay. Nothing wrong with that. But these goals are um there's a one guy wanted to start a uh, a ministry and like from nothing. So he's like, I don't know how to do it. I don't know where to start. And I was like, if God put it in your head and in your heart, the world needs it. And it's up to you to bring that out. And like through this process, he's on his way to making that happen. Um, another guy, uh, he's like, I want to, uh, in my company, I want to create more impact in what I'm doing. And he had to leave the job that he was in within his company, but now he's doing something that is in more of an educational role in the company, but he's skipping and whistling into work every day. And it was tough for him to make that decision, but once he committed, it started to happen really fast. And the different, the backgrounds of people that have come to my retreats, are they're all different walks of life. There's entrepreneurs, there's uh, business professionals, there are people who are, uh, there's artists in my group for sure, um, but there are that type of gambit. It runs the full thing and people walk away. It doesn't matter. Everybody's got a dream in their head and in their heart. And when you can get them talking about that, get them to rediscover that, reconnect with that, uh, it's an amazing thing to watch it happen. That's really cool. I, I really like the, uh, the the purpose part of it. I feel like a lot of... Um, breakthroughs that people have um and i'm speaking from my own experience of course as well is there's a feeling of like a a huge transformation or some major monumental shift has happened but without tying it to some sort of actionable purposeful movement in the future it's i don't know it's it can be kind of empty it's just like oh so you felt good one day that's nice but like how is it going to impact your future and how are you going to use that to really change your, your life and the lives of those around you? Like, how does it help? You know? Exactly. And I mean, and to think about it, that's, that's essentially my story. Here I was accomplishing a lot in the corporate world. Um, again, getting promotions, getting raises, doing the things, um, and felt very empty with it. It wasn't that I felt like it was doing something wrong, that I felt bad about it. It just felt empty. Hmm. The accomplishments were empty. Uh, They went without celebration because I didn't feel like they were worth celebrating. And when I switched and connected to what I meant to do, which is the work I'm doing now, Mm -hmm. I I enjoy all of it. Like, you know, there's a funny um, there's a funny meme going around the Internet right now that says, hey, you know, I wanted to quit my nine to five 
Um, so I did. And, uh, now I work 24 seven cause I work. Myself, <laughs> yeah. And, um, it's, it's, you know, it's true, but at the same time, it's a labor of love. I mean, I, I truly enjoy what I'm doing and mm-hmm. that's because it's deeply connected to my purpose. So with the, with the meditation practice, I do, uh, like mindfulness of breath, uh, as well as Vipassana meditation and morality is, uh, is a central, it's like the first step of meditation. If like, you have to have a strong sense of morality in order to be able to calm the mind to a place where you can start to concentrate it. And so, um, it just makes perfect sense to me. If you're on a path where you're really helping people is the, is the purpose of it, then the clarity you would get from that and with your new work as a coach then uh i can see how it would be um how you would have motivation to to stay with it um but it must be difficult to be you know starting a new project like this so how how do you stay motivated with it uh it can be very difficult um you know coaches are humans too and uh it's it's about having routines. It's about having habits um, that keep you in in the game each day, so to speak. Uh, because regardless of what you do or how deeply connected it is to your purpose, you're going to have peaks and valleys in you know the work you do and the experience that you have in life. And um, one of the things that I do, and when I do this well, by the way, it's not like I'm perfect. So anybody that's listening to this, please don't think that that's my intent is to, to, to give you the idea that I do this every single day. But when I do this and I do it most days, I am better for it. But I wake up early. Uh, I get active pretty quick. Uh, you know, within the first 30, 40 minutes, I'm up. Uh, I like to get some exercise in. Uh, I also like to journal. And what I call reflecting time, and I'll do some journaling uh, where I'm processing thoughts or things that have been on my mind, that helps me to clear the slate a little bit. Um, And then meditation for me, uh, whether it's a minute of deep breathing or whether it's, you know, 10 minutes of really disconnecting or you know, getting to a place of being able to meditate and do some some breath prayer and that kind of thing for, you know, 15, 20 minutes. Um, it's interesting. Uh, and I'd be, you know, I'm sure that you've had a guest on before, but I noticed like, you know, some of us, you know, we're all wearing these smartwatches or whatever now. I noticed that when I'm doing the meditation and the journaling on a regular basis, my resting heart level, heart rate level is much lower. Like it's, you know, it's like, um, it'll drop a good eight, nine beats a minute over the course of a month that I am really good and and consistent in that practice. But those, I mean, when I'm able to do that and, you know, able to stay in that routine and keep that going, um, the motivation, it helps to release that catabolic energy and to stay focused in that anabolic place where, you know, the, the, the types of feelings and thoughts that you're having in an, in an anabolic way are um, your non-judgment. It's, uh, you know, creating this sense of synthesis. It's uh, peace, joy, gratitude. These are all anabolic uh, energies. So is uh, reconciliation and so is service. Uh, so all of those things, when you can practice those in your daily habits, 
even if it's taken five minutes. And um, I know it sounds so um, so cliche these days, but I mean, honestly, thinking about what you're grateful for, the energy level that you have with gratefulness is very high on the chart. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the one that's associated with joy. It's also associated with uh, intuition. Um, and if you can just, and I tell my clients all, all the time, I'm like, it doesn't matter to me. It, it shouldn't be what you should be grateful for. It's what you're truly grateful for. I know it sounds so silly, but I mean, I mean, if it's a chili dog that you ate yesterday sure, and it was yeah. really amazing, like mm-hmm. be grateful for that. Like it's, man, that was awesome. But when you tap into that feeling of gratefulness, that's that anabolic energy. So looking for those opportunities uh, on a daily basis, looking for that moment and then trying to keep the practice together where I'm doing it early in the morning. Mm -hmm. And then throughout the day, I look for a spot that I go, this is my time. And I just, you know, sometimes it's 30 seconds, sometimes it's 10 minutes, but yeah. It's what you just said sparked a new, a thought in me that I hadn't considered before, which is there, I think there's a connection between gratefulness and humbleness you know, because mm-hmm. there's always, there's usually somebody on the other end of the, of the gratitude. It's like, I'm grateful to this sandwich or whatever, whatever, but the sandwich yeah. came from somewhere, you know, and the, whatever it is we're grateful for, usually it's from outside of ourselves. So there's a sense yeah. of being, uh, humbled by the, uh, generosity of that, which is not ourselves, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. That humbleness, that humility, that, I mean, that energy, when you come with that, and think about situations that you've been in, right? Where someone who has acted in a way that's humble, how do you reciprocate when that happens? Right? I mean, when, you, when someone acts humble in a situation with you, you're much more inviting, right? I mean, it's more, course, yeah. the conversation's better, right? Yeah. And your family uh, immediately. Someone, Yeah, exactly. Right. So that energy, it's like energy uh, is attracted to like energy. And, um, you know, some people will say that energy is also attracted to opposite energy, which is true. Uh, But when you are that humbleness is kind of the the uh, the opposite, not opposite, the um, the uh, the counteraction to that gratefulness, like you said, yeah, gratitude humility, those are all right connected together. Maybe we can talk a little bit more about, uh, about energetics. Cause I'm not sure I'm, I'm super clear on that concept. Yeah, sure. So, um, energetics, leadership energetics, this is, um, so there is a theory called cognitive behavioral theory. Psychologists, psychiatrists use it. Uh, coaches use it. Uh, And what it says is that our thoughts and our beliefs lead to how we feel and the emotions we have. And the way that we feel and the emotions we have lead to the actions that we exhibit and the way we essentially show up in the world. And all of that is, is great. It's still a theory. It's not a law, like it's not proven. And I imagine that the, the science behind it would be very difficult to prove that. That's why it's still a theory. Um, But it's used in, you know, uh, mental practice all over the place. Uh, But that thought or belief comes from somewhere. The thing that ties all three of those together is the energy that you bring. 
and you know energy call it attitude call it energy either one um, but that energy that you bring you absolutely control that energy so I can make a choice to show up to this interview today and be nervous or I could show up to this interview today and be uh, conflict oriented or antagonistic or I could show up with an energy of humility and humbleness and gratefulness. And in any one of those energies that I choose, I'm going to show up with a different thought and belief. I'm going to feel differently, and I'm going to show up to your show differently. So if I came with an energy of conflict, the feelings might be, this guy's just trying to get, you know, one more podcast on the, on the, on the docket, and that's it. And he just wants to be done sure. with this. And I need to get a podcast out there. So I could come with that type of energy and those could be my thoughts. If those are the thoughts I've got, I'm likely going to be defensive when you start asking questions. And then how do you think I'm going to show up? Right? Defensive and conflict oriented. But if I come in and I say, you know what, this is, I've listened to your show. I know the types of guests that you've got on it. I'm excited about being here. And that's the type of energy that I bring is that excitement and that synergistic energy where we can connect and grow and learn together, um, then I'm anticipating feeling that way. And I start to feel like we're connected. And if I feel like we're connected, look, you know, it's already been, you know, 25, 30 minutes and we're just having a conversation that's great. So, I mean, you can see how they're all connected, but that energy, there are different levels of it, William. And the, to make it very simple for us to understand in a short period of time, Think of that catabolic and anabolic. Those two pieces, if I come with a catabolic, just survival mode response, my thoughts are going to be that way. I'm either going to show up in hiding or I'm going to show up in conflict. And if I come with anabolic, I'm going to show up in a way that's uh, connected and we can grow and stay engaged and do those things. Does that make a little more sense? Yeah, yeah, it makes perfect sense. I'm wondering... Um... I, I want to keep going deeper on this because I find it really interesting. It, it's so where does that do you know where that energy comes from and how like I'm wondering if we can try to get more specific about it. For me, it's like I'm coming from this place of uh, Vipassana meditation, which is really focused on having an awareness of the sensations on the body <clears throat> and and having training training oneself and being non-averse to the uncomfortable sensations and also being non-attached to the pleasant sensations. And what that does is it lets a person be um, a lot more at peace with whatever happens to be happening, you know, and there's always mm -hmm. different sensations that are happening on the body. So if, if I have a pain in my shoulder, you know, for whatever reason, and then I'm coming here and I'm just kind of ignoring it and not allowing it be in my conscious, then it's going to keep weighing on me and it's going to keep impacting the conversation. So by having like more bodily awareness of what's what's happening also impacts energy. So I don't know, do you have more thoughts on like where does this energy come from and how is it related to the body perhaps? Yeah, sure. It's um, so the, the simple answer, and then I'm going to give you a little bit longer uh, answer, but the simple answer is, is the energy uh, we choose the energy. Sometimes that is conscious. Sometimes that is non-conscious. Uh, some would say unconscious. Uh, but uh, we're either 
trying to create that type of energy in our life by making an active choice, or it has gone on autopilot. Hmm. And that awareness that you're talking about, that disconnection where you're able to sit there and step back uh, from the energetic uh, leadership energetics, that that is the highest level of energy. energy that you're exhibiting. It's where passion is. It's where creativity is. It's also where completely objective thinking is. Hmm. And um, it's a place where you can separate and be an active participant and an observer at the same time. So that that type of energy uh, in the energy levels, there's seven of them in the, in the, the work that I do. That's the seventh one. That's the highest one. Hmm. And it's the, it's the energy level of being. And to what you're talking about with finding a pain in your shoulder, uh, what most people uh, walk around with is, and because it's non-conscious, uh, they are, they're not focusing on that, but they don't realize that it's, it's depleting still their energy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right? It's It's... It's draining you, and you may not even know it. And that's why, you know, if it's a, if it's spiritual, mental, emotional, physical, social, or environmental, that can be the room you're in, or it can be the tools that you use. Um, if any of those are uh, affected in a way that is suboptimal, it's going to drain your energy. And when you start to uh, recognize that. Now you can step outside of that, be an observer and a participant at the same time, and you can start to make active choices about what influences that energy in a more anabolic way. So, oh, you know what? My shoulder hurts. And actually, I've been kind of, you know, cranky for the last week, and I haven't really noticed that I've been cranky. Everybody says I'm snapping at them because, my, you know, now I'm connecting it. It's because my shoulder's hurting. Oh, well, I'd kind of you know, the brain is a powerful thing. It pushes the pain down. But you reconnect to that pain, right? And recognize that it's there and then separate from it. Now you make the active choice. Okay, I'm going to do something about the physical ailment that's in my shoulder. Mm-hmm. That is no different than if somebody's got a physical ailment that they're dealing with in their mind or in their in their spirit, their, you know, their purpose, their connectedness, whether it's a religious experience for spirit, or if it is a non-religious one. It's um, recognizing that all of those places are places where your energy can be depleted and being able to kind of step back from that and observe. Now you can do something about it, but it brings the unconscious or non-conscious to the level of consciousness. And that's, that's the idea of this anabolic energy is the higher you go in the anabolic energy scale, the more conscious you are. Hmm. I really like that. I'm uh, in complete agreement with that. I like fra- framing it in terms of the non the non conscious because the unconscious I I think is really a myth. Because the more that I the, that I meditate, the more that I realize how unconscious I've been. Of you know, the, the more that you the more aware you are, the more you realize you were unaware before. You know, so how far does yeah. it go? I don't know, but presumably you can go pretty pretty far down to the depths of your consciousness. Yeah, because truly all we have, I mean, I know it sounds, it can sound a little silly if you're not used to hearing this, um, but all we really have is this moment. 
the past is the way we remember it. And often Mm -hmm. we will tell ourselves stories about how we experienced something. And we will remember something as fun or we will Mm -hmm. remember something as a nightmare or Mm -hmm. any other, you know, description. Mm -hmm. Um, But often that's because, yeah, we've often created a story that supports the parts of the the thing that we didn't know. And that's, Mm -hmm. we're living in that story. And all we've really got is right now. And that's that awareness that you're talking about. Well, in this moment, I can choose a conscious, I can make a conscious choice to have the type of energy that I want. It, mm-hmm. I can make a conscious to- choice to show up in collaboration. I can make a conscious choice to show up. Um, if it's with a client, I can make a conscious choice to show up energetically aware so that I can hear what they can't see when they're talking. When someone's having a conversation right. with me, you know, I can I can tell it's their shoulder, not because they're holding their shoulder, but, you know, I can tell that there's something physical bothering them. And, you know, mm-hmm. you'll see it in people. They're, you know, like they're draped over or they, you know, don't sit up straight or they're sitting to the side or something. You can tell something is going on. Or if someone's downcast in spirit or if someone is unclear about something. And that's part of being that energetically aware and kind of attuned to what's going on. And that's as a as an energy leadership coach, that is that intuition, that listening to what they can't say with their mouth, but listening to what I'm hearing from them. Um, that is that part of what I do is amazing. And that, and quite honestly, that's when people go, oh, my gosh, how did you know that? And I'm like, I'm, I'm trained to listen to it. So I know what I'm listening for. And it's it's a pretty interesting thing. So. Hmm. Um, I don't know how much we should go into into the details here, but I'm I'm curious more about the energetics, these seven levels of energetics, and if there are any kind of uh, practices that would help one uh, move forward through those uh, different states. Like I I guess just to be clear, are those states that people achieve and maintain at different points in their life? Or are they states that we, people fluctuate through throughout the day, for example? Or um, how does that part work? It's the second one. And um, it's it's not, um, it's very, it's similar in structure and framework to some of the other uh, methodologies you may have heard um, either in Eastern religion or other religions and things like that, but it's not the same. It's not a, it's not a situation where I've reached this level and I don't go backwards and I'm going forwards or I can go backwards. It's, you might be feeling level seven when you're doing your daily journaling or meditation and then go right to level one. I'm going to explain what those are to give some context around it and go straight to level one the minute that you, you know, walk out of whatever room you're doing your meditation in or, you know, come back in from the outside. Mm-hmm. Um, essentially, levels one and two are catabolic. And the level one energy is essentially, it's like a victim energy. It's a... Uh, things are happening to me. It's flight energy. Um, um, I can't control what's happening. The world's happening around me. And um, level two is similar. It's still catabolic, but it's conflict related. It's like, I don't like what's happening and I want to, I don't want to, I want to stop it. And I'm going to fight through this to get, get it done. It's, you know, that's that level two energy. And where I mentioned that 98% of the people are walking around in catabolic energy. Those are the two. 
when I see what's going on in the world of mm. corporate America, for example, today, those are the two types of energy that I see. I see the people that aren't willing to stand up for themselves mm. and they'll take whatever somebody throws on their desk to do. And then I see the boss or somebody else that says, get it on my desk by five or else, right? Those are the two types of energies that I see the most. Um, move on up the ladder to level three. And this is a level of, um, I call it the get stuff done uh, energy level. This is, you know, it's about coping. It's about seeing and moving towards the goal, even though things are bad. Um, there's a phrase that kind of sums it up that says it could always be worse. Just keep moving. It could always be worse. That's level three. It's, it's a little bit of catabolic, but mostly anabolic. And then level four is the uh, level of compassion. It's the level of service. It's the level of servant leadership. It's, you know, how can I serve this person or this group or these people um, or this situation? Uh, how can I be in service in that area? That's level four. Um, you start to transcend as you move up, as you can tell, just from the things I'm saying. The level five is one of reconciliation in a way that says, I understand and I'm growing. It's the level of opportunity. It's the level of learning. It's uh, kind of like a growth mindset kind of thing um, from Dr. Carol Dweck's book, um, uh, where she talks about mindset and talks about, you know, instead of oh, this is bad, I'm never going to do that again. You experience something and go, oh, wow, that didn't go the way I thought. Look what I learned from that. I'm going to use that next time. That's that level five energy. And then level six energy is about joy and synthesis. It's where wisdom is uh, apparent. It's where intuition shows up, that gut feeling that you get. You just kind of know. Um, it's where people say everything's connected for a reason, or if you've ever been in a situation, go, wow, that really came together. That was crazy how that happened, right? That's that's that level six energy. And then level seven is absolute passion. It's um, clarity. It's non-judgment. It's uh, being able to be aware to the level of I'm participating and observing at the same time. It's the level of absolute just being and, wow. uh, and that being okay. So as you look at those different levels. And I know people are probably going to rewind uh, the podcast and listen to them, which is good. Um, but as you look at those, it's really not about being in level seven and staying there. It's not because we could go to level seven and have our aha moment and be the observer and participant at the same time. And we would never get anything done. I mean, somebody's got to pay the bills, right? <laughs> we got to do stuff in our life. There's things that we need to get done. So it's about employing or choosing that level three energy when it's time to get work done. Um, level five energy. I can choose to show up and say, oh, wow, I learned something here. Or I can choose to show up and say, oh, my gosh, I can't believe that happened to me. Same situation, right? Uh, uh, I've used this example before because it happened. Uh, somebody backed into our mailbox, knocked it over. I can look at that and say, oh, my gosh, I can't believe that happened. What are we going to do? We're going to have to get a new mailbox. It's going to cost a lot of money. That's level one energy. Okay. Level five energy would be like, oh my gosh, you know what? If I saw, if I could build a mailbox that was indestructible, I could be rich. Like, look right. what I've learned from this by somebody knocking over my mailbox. Same right. situation, but two different approaches. And that happens. You asked about moving through the levels. 
It happens again through conscious choice. And that's why it's so important. When I saw the, you know, the, the content of your podcast about meditating, that consciousness, creating that level of consciousness and awareness, it so marries up with what we're talking about here because it's about raising that level of consciousness. And if you choose level five instead of level one, you're just going to be happier at that moment that you're experiencing it. You know, like when things go wrong, you can get angry and you can blame the world, but you're just going to suffer in that experience. Whereas if you're able to, you know, it's not easy. And I think that I really do believe that having awareness of the body has such a big part of how we respond to the, to life situations. Um, but yeah, being able to like pivot and choose one of those different energy levels just makes, you know, if you can make your life happy by just like switching it, you know, mm-hmm. you can shift your mindset the way you think about it. And, um, you know, Viktor Frankl, author of Man's Search for Meaning, spent you know years in Auschwitz um, and survived. And not only that, um, but came out and, you know, uh, did a lot of amazing work after that. Um, but he's he coined the phrase that says uh, uh Pain is inevitable, but suffering is optional. In other words, we've got a choice. We can mm-hmm. choose how we respond in a situation. So, yeah, it's good. 100% agreement. Cool. Well, Ryan, um, I, th- I just want to thank you for being on the show. It's been uh, really wonderful talking to you. This is awesome. I, 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 uh, I'm a fan of the show. And like I said, discovering your podcast and getting in there and kind of listening to some of the, the content Um, I can't wait to share this with some other people because, again, I think our content, it kind of makes sense with each other. So this has been good and it's good to meet you and good, good to be on the show. So thanks. Hey, guys, I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Ryan. I really do believe that mindfulness and meditation is the way to building a better world. So if you're interested in more content like this, go ahead and subscribe to the channel and we'll see you next week.